I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good evening, Gabby. Good evening, TC, and welcome all to part 86 of our weekly podcast, The Current View, then and now, with your Neville's brother, Mr. Terry Curran. How are you, sir? Steady away. I love the way you say that. That is the title for your third book, Steady Away. <laughs> <laughs> kind of week have you had, mate? Decent. And what magic moments have you sourced for us? Because there's been so many magic moments this week. Oh. It's untrue. There is that many magic moments and trying to pick them out uh, because it's ended there. Even the ones when you're picking out, you think, shall I pick this one? Shall I pick that one? But if you're a PSG, having the front line of what they've got there, Dear Maria uh, Mbappe, and then and then Messi coming along with uh, Neymar, yeah. there were two uh, tricks what Neymar did. They weren't goals; these were, you know, natural skill. He got the ball, took a couple of players around him, edge of the penalty box, and he got his foot under it, lifted it over the edge, and, and Mbappe nearly scored from it. You know, the skill and the uh, audacity to try that type of thing, you know. Because, yes, he's a world-class player, but you've got all the world-class players what's, you know, trying to defend you. Yeah. And there's a second one from him where the ball's played into him. He's held it up and he's just flicked it with uh, inside of his foot and lays, uh, Mb- uh, lays uh, Mbappe, lays Mbappe in to, to, to have another great goal-scoring chance. In fact, I was going to post it upon to the, the current view, but I, I, I can't seem to get onto that somehow, uh, Gabby. You should be able to because you are um, an admin on it. Right. But if you do put it onto your um, any of your accounts, Terry Curran yeah, or, or the official on. one, I will then post it onto the current view. But I have seen you interact on the current view, so um, I don't know. You can't post on there. Well, I mean, I've tried it tonight. I was going mm-hmm. to post it up because obviously there are great pieces of skill. But yeah. I, what I will do tonight, I will put them on tonight after we've done this. Uh, podcast um, because it's two magic pieces of skill and people have been interacting with the at the page the current view saying tc how can i buy your book so what i do then is please contact terry current uh, directly and put the links on and then it goes to you so guys if you want to buy terry current's new book give me the ball just interact with tc on facebook or Twitter, or any of his socials that he's got, and TC will look after you. The book is flying off the shelves. My first yeah, question... really well. It's, it's been really superb, really well. super, superb. My first question to you is that Paris Saint-Germain, you're absolutely spot on, and we watched um, uh, last year against uh, Manchester City, in particular, that, that one game, the first game, and they were absolutely frightening. Some of the football, and it didn't result in goals again, but some of the football that they play is absolutely off the scale. Why does Mbappe want to go to Real Madrid when he's got them three to play with? Well, he must have enough money now. But I, I was saying to Jock, I mean, 
uh, it's moved from uh, Monaco to, to PSG. I thought it was about 160 million. Johnson. It was. It was 130. No, it was and 160. It looks yeah. like, look like this move going out to uh, Real Madrid. Mm. You know, um, and the amount of money he must make out of these transfer uh, fees is unreal. I don't know. I, I mean, they have enough money. Surely they have enough money. But I suppose the more you can get, the more the more they want. So, um, but on a personal level for, for level four Mbappe, you know, yeah. he's playing with the best forward line. Surely ever. that that yeah ever. I mean, not just in ever. football today, ever. ever. And he wants Ever. to go and play for Real Madrid, who who are rebuilding, or that's what the press are suggesting. But you're absolutely right. I think it was 166 from Monaco to PSG, because I looked at it today, and his transfer, um, the the figure of the of the transfer is down by 30 million. However, he is in his last year of his contract, so that's why there's a drop. And if he does just sit it out, he goes as a free agent next year. So why would you no. not accept 137 million? But with the money that they have got, the owners have got, do they need 137 million? It's just a ridiculous scenario, isn't it? It's mad, isn't it? Well, the talk about Ronaldo going there, we know. Yes, I mean, there is. Does Ronaldo there uh, if Mbappe goes? It's, it, you can imagine Messi, Ronaldo, yeah. Mbappe. Mm-hmm. And uh, Di Maria, and Neymar, and, and Neymar. Yeah, where are they going to fit them all in? How many balls are they going to need? Well, because Neymar, at times, we call it showboating, and it is showboating. Yeah. But the skill and the uh, the cheekiness, audacity, audacity to try it, you know, yeah. it, it's real. You know, it is unreal. And yeah, that guy has so much. Technique, so much skill, it, it's frightening at times. But sometimes you just try that too much when, when really you should be playing the killer ball or the killer uh, uh, shot at goal. Uh, to give them, give them that leeway a little bit. But uh, it's, it's frightening, but it's, it's great to watch. Absolutely, and if he does stay and they do bring in Ronaldo, they'll probably be the first team in the history of football to kick off with three balls. <laughs> How how do you get a season ticket to go watch it? It must be it must be unreal. It would you know? I mean, the TV rights and the sponsorship. Yeah. What they're going to get if that if if Ronaldo goes and all? Mm. Well, it's it's got to be the biggest uh, sponsorship deal what's ever been put to any major sport. It will almost be like the Harlem Globe Trotters of football, I won't it? Say that a minute ago when you were on about Messi yeah. and Ronaldo. It's like watching the Harlem uh, Globe. It would be like watching the Harlem Globetrotters in Ab- exhibition matches. Absolutely, but but playing in real football and probably winning the Champions League as well—just incredible. My magic moments, tosses of coins here. I've got to mention Damari Gray, a local lad from uh, our area, Bartley Green, although I'm from Kingshurst and Chamsley Wood. But Damari is from uh, where I now live. And uh, during lockdown, I had a a chat with with Damari. There's three of them. There's three pros. There's John O who lives down the road. He's uh, just gone to uh, Port Vale. And there's uh, uh, Gibby, who's over there in Ireland playing for, God, one of the Irish. He was at St. Pat's, but... The name escapes me who he's just gone to. 
and they're a massive team in Ireland. And the secretary of TOA, who I used to work as a black cab driver, it was his team. It will come to me shortly, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, the Danny Ings goal against Newcastle. I mean, what a way to start your Aston Villa career. But I have to say, the magic moment for me this week has to go to Cameron Archer of Aston Villa for his superb hat-trick last night. I don't know if you saw the game, TC. Yeah, we did. We did oh. watch it, yeah. And what I, what I was saying about Birmingham City, when probably a couple of years ago now, wasn't it, we played against Portsmouth, and I just thought that Birmingham should have played with some senior pros alongside some fantastic youngsters coming through, and that's what Villa did at Barrow. And towards the latter stages of the game, Barrow was leaving a little bit in as Villa were knocking the goals in the yeah. back of their net. You have to get frustrated. Absolutely. And you do need them senior pros to just have a word with them players of the other team and just make it known that that's not how you play against these kids. And Gilbert caught one as well. I thought he was going to kick off on the pitch. Well, I must admit, Gabby, I've got to disagree with you because at the end of the day, I used to do things like that. And if you're going to give it, you're going to get some stick and you're going to kick you up the air. Yeah. But the, the, th- the good thing about it is, again, having the cheek to do it and they look fantastic. Yeah. They look fantastic. Uh, you know, but I understand what you, where you're coming from. Yeah. But you know, as well as I do, yeah. if you take the Michael out of, uh, out of the opposition, they're going to come and clip you and give you, you know, leave a stud there. So it's not nice, but I must admit... Uh, they played with a swag of this young Villa team. Absolutely. But what I'm trying to say, I guess not in not in the, the, the manner that it's coming across to you, is that when you've got them senior pros, they can like handle it. When you've got a team full of kids, they they can go into the shell when the uh, when the dirty stuff is being dished out. So I thought Villa on every level were superb. I thought the broadcast on every level was superb. Apart from at the end, because I was just making notes for the uh, for the podcast tonight, and they said that three Aston Villa players had scored hat tricks in the League Cup, and I says to Tom, "Do you know what? Simon Stainrod scored four goals on his Aston Villa debut in the League Cup. Why isn't Simon on there? Why aren't they talking about Simon?" So. I caught up with Simon earlier today, TC, and I asked I asked his opinion about that scenario last night. Here's what he said. Simon Stainrod, how are you? Uh, I'm good, thanks, Gabby. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, result last night, tremendous result for Aston Villa, 6-0 away at Barrow. Young man scored a hat-trick. Watching it while I'm doing my notes for the current view. And I did hear that all of the Aston Villa goal scorers, hat-trick goal scorers in the League Cup were uh, were broadcast into my front room and everybody else's front room, apart from Simon Stainrod. It's almost as though your four goals on your debut against Exeter in the League Cup in 1985, before the Premier League, has been forgotten. Yeah, well, you know, when real football was taking place up until when the Premier League was created, you know, uh, records stopped, didn't they? Yeah, they and, uh, and 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 as as people are only interested in what happens uh, since the Premier League. Uh, which is, you know, just damn right silly. 
uh, you know, I mean, you change your name so the history stops yeah. uh, or history begins from that date. Um, I'm, I'm with you, Gabby. It's uh, it's outrageous, and it's 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 um it's a real slight on the people that played the game uh, before um, the Premier League, you know. And uh, you know, you you could actually say when I say real soccer, real football, uh, they've even actually this season uh, tried to change the rules around so that you can you can be a little bit rougher. Uh, so I, you know, I feel sorry for him if it's a bit too rough for him. But there you go. It's quite incredible because you're absolutely right. Football is a contact sport. Football has been going since the 1800s, and the erosion of all of our history, I think, is not just a, a, a slant and a slice on the the game of football. I think it's an absolute disgrace. I think what they're trying to do is wholly wrong. But let's just briefly talk about your debut for that wonderful club, Aston Villa. Four goals on that first game must have made you an instant halt end hero. Yeah, I think uh, it's a good start, isn't it? It yeah. doesn't make it easier when you when you you know any game after that you, you you're struggling. But uh, uh, yeah, it, it was a great start and. Um, so it's a bit of a long story of how I got there, but because um, you know Villa weren't the only team that were in for me at the time, and uh, I did actually knock Barcelona back uh, to go to Villa. So I should be a, I should be popular with the Villa fans, really, shouldn't you? Yeah. But um, yeah, I uh, I couldn't agree terms with uh, with uh, <laughs> with Barcelona, so uh, I ended up going to. Um, to uh, Villa and I had a strange relationship with uh, Howard Wilkinson who was manager of Sheffield Wednesday who sold me as well and uh, he uh, he he was my um, he was the assistant coach of the Sheffield boys team when I was 14 and, uh, and we didn't really get along very well then and uh, uh, for him to sign me uh, was was a bit strange uh, but I, one of one of my great images of, of him is imagining his face when his team was coming back on the bus from having played in the League Cup and listening to the radio and the score comes Aston uh, Exeter City uh, uh, one was it or nil and uh, and uh, and um, it wasn't eight one it was it was it was it was four I think in the, in the was it eight in the first game the, we got what? eight in the second game we got we got yeah. four in the first game got yeah. four one and yeah. uh, and and seeing, imagining Howard's face anyway, sat on the bus coming back from a game, listening to the radio, and I'd scored uh, scored four on my debut, and uh, and I was I was actually playing well at Sheffield Wednesday at the time. I was really fit, and uh, but uh, it, it did put a bit of a spoke in the wheel when Barcelona came in for me. And, you know, I was out there for a week, and. Um, uh, you know, you you think you'd get it tied up in a week, but I couldn't couldn't agree with them. So uh, uh, so I ended up at Villa. So it could have been your debut in the new Camp against Real Madrid, but you settled for Exeter City and four goals. Yeah. Do you, what do you what do you remember about that night, that special night? Because it's not often that players do score four goals, and it's not often that players do score those four goals on their debut so what's your defining memory of, of that night Simon well it was, it was one of the goals where 
uh, I'm really lucky, and and that and and it's also pinching a goal off someone else because uh, Tony Dorigo was about 40 yards out, and he, he has got a really good shot on him. And uh, and uh, when anybody shoots, I always used to try and position myself between uh, where the goalkeeper would be and the shot coming in, so that you could either put the goalie off or get a little touch on it, and um, and. Tony Derigo hit a screamer and I just flicked it and uh, the goalie was going one way and the ball flew in the other corner and uh, it's my goal. Sorry, Tony, but it's my goal. So uh, that, that, that is my defining memory because um, you know, it's always nice to steal something off somebody else. <laughs> and as a goal scorer, that's what you do, don't you? I mean, if there's goals going free, even if you're not in the starting eleven, I'm going to claim it because that's what goal scorers are about: scoring them goals. And it's so important to get off to that flying start. And my word, what a flying start you got off to! Yeah, well, I did score a, a little worldie in that one as well. We, you know, beat about three or four, and then just um, slipped it past the goalkeeper, like you know, so. You, a normal person might count that as their uh, uh, crowning glory on the night, but I, I really enjoyed the other one because, you know, you you, you don't get many. Uh, well, I, I never got many uh, um, uh, goals like that or, or easy ones, you know, where you it's just a tapping. Yeah. I think I only scored one tapping in my career. So uh, yeah, so it was. Uh, anyway, it was it was it was. On the whole, it was a great night, and it was it was very it was a great relief to be away from Howard Wilkinson. So it's like, but uh, but it was a tough season as well. After that, you know, we had, had a, a good fight against relegation, and uh, I scored a few goals in that as well. So that that uh, it was good. And, and to be fair, um, a great club, Aston Villa, a lot of great club, and it's it, the way I, I, I put a lot of that down to Doug Ellis. You know, he's he created this family atmosphere at the club, and um, and um, people liked liked to work for him. Uh, although a lot of them didn't admit it, but he he, he did create a a really good club family atmosphere, and that that shows now with the the over 35s teams going been going for years, and uh, you know you, you still see people like Gary Shaw and Tony Morley turning out for him, and uh, it's just just a brilliant club. Yeah, you, your old sparring partner, John Burridge, doesn't turn out for them, but you you have many a spat now on Facebook with Budgie, and uh, it, it's, it, it's hysterical, isn't it? Because Budgie's still that competitor, and what a goalkeeper he was, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he fancied himself as an outfield player as well. When we were yeah. at QPR, he used, to, he used to play out quite a lot, and, uh, and that uh, stupid idiot broke my leg in training. Really? So, uh, yeah, it fractured my fibula, so it's a little little bone going down the outside of your shin, and uh, uh, yeah, and that was because I was taking the piss out of him. So he's like, uh, so I, he, he's like, he's on my list for a bit of payback. So uh, he's, uh, but we, we've always been good pals, me and Budgies, but you know, we, we, we'll probably finish by having a fight when he's about eighty and I'm and I'm still twenty eight. <laughs> 
and you can just visualize that can't you budgie because you know he, he's on facebook he's very uh, prevalent on facebook and he's doing the goalkeeper coaching he's got his uh his headgear on hasn't he like it like a boat yeah, yeah. just going out ready to spar budgie i don't think will ever change you will never change simon thank you so much for your time and as i'm going back to tc we're going to be talking about our predictions who do you think will win the premier league and the championship this year um well premier league i'm gonna go uh and, and i'm a bit of a chelsea fan yeah. i'm gonna go man city yeah. uh and i know that uh terry's thinks chelsea and, and i've been tipping chelsea uh for you know i think they're you know they've made progress Lukaku makes a huge difference to them, by the way. What a great, great centre forward. If you're a young kid who wants to play centre forward, watch Lukaku. And uh, um, and then uh, in the championship, I have truly got no idea. Mm. I'd like to say Sheffield Wednesday, but they're in the third division, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Simon, we're going to leave it on that and we're going to get TC's reaction straight off the back of this. Thank you, sir, and we'll speak soon. Cheers, Cheers, Simon. Cheers, Kevin. Thank you, Cheers now. Bye. The back of that, Simon was talking about his predictions for the Premier League and the Championship. What's yours? Simon's was Manchester City and he didn't know who would win the championship. He thought it could have been Sheffield Wednesday, but he said but they're, they're in the third division in the gap. <laughs> and then left. But it won't be Sheffield United, tell him. <laughs> so let's just talk about our predictions and then we will go back to the Carabao Cup because I've got a couple of questions to ask you about that. So who do you see running away with the Premier League title this season, TC? I think it's going to be really, really tight between yeah. uh, City, Liverpool and Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, Simon sent me a, a message saying last season that Ch- Chelsea uh, will be a, uh, would win the Premier League. I'm going to go with Chelsea. I think Chelsea just might nick it. Yeah. I think I think Manchester City. I think Manchester City are really concentrating more on the uh, Champions League this year. Yeah. I'm going, I'm going to go with uh, Chelsea for the league title. Does the signing of Lukaku sway you? Because, as I say, Simon does favour um, Manchester City, but he did say that the signing of Lukaku is a tremendous signing. And, you know, for any kids watching the game of football, watch this central striker because he is the real deal. Right. Uh, the, thing, the thing is with Chelsea, they created that many goals when... when uh, the new manager came in, Thomas uh, Schurkel. Yeah, Schurkel, Schurkel, however uh, you want to say, yeah. And, the, you know, they missed that many chances, it was untrue. Yeah. But Lukaku uh, has got goals wherever he's gone and definitely, definitely uh, improved his touch Yeah. while being in Italy. Um, so, I think he'll get plenty of goals for Chelsea and he could, I think he, he just might persuade, he just might sway uh, Chelsea's way with having a, pro- a proper natural goal scorer. Do you think now, my second question, that Harry Kane looks as though he's staying at uh, Tottenham? And he did say in a statement that he'll be mm. here this summer. 
I mean, yeah. he didn't commit himself to after the summer. And the season starts, I mean, the season started already. And then um, summer's pretty much over. So it doesn't really give that much longevity to uh, to his Tottenham career with his statement, does it? Well, you know as well as I do, he signed a five-year, was it a five-year contract, six-year contract? Yeah, I believe he's still got three years left on it, I right, believe. So- and, and and he didn't have a clause in it at no, all. Apparently not. So it must be one hell of a contract. Yeah. It must be one hell of a contract, and he and he, he must have known that um, one of the big clubs. I mean, Thomas uh, Thomas uh, Tottenham's a good club, a big club. Oh, massive. But one of the elite clubs would have uh, been in for him. Mm. Um, Chelsea was always going to be a bit more difficult unless he was going to his contract would expire because. They would have tried not. Uh, Tottenham would have not wanted to do a deal with uh, Chelsea. Yep. Um, look what Campbell went through, and it doesn't make a difference what colour you are. Once yep. you go from one rival to another, you're going to get stick. Well, absolutely. Gonna, um, and he's been a great servant to to Tottenham as Harry Kane. So mm. that, that that deal would have been hard on him, in a sense that you know, to say he's been a legend, there they, they would have given him some stick. So, in one sense, I'm glad he stayed with Tottenham because, you know, uh, watching him against Manchester City, they played really well. They played some really good stuff. Yeah. And they looked a lot quicker up front uh, when Kane wasn't in there. But we all know Kane's a great goal uh, goal scorer. So, uh, it will give him that little bit of a boost in one sense. But uh, someone like... uh, Mora will be frustrated because he would have been hoping to get a, a real crack of the whip at the, uh, this coming season. He, he would have been thinking that uh, Kane would have been moving on. He's been very unlucky, Lucas Mora, because he scored that, uh, was it the hat-trick against yeah. Ajax that, that got yeah. them to the semi-final uh, against Man- uh, Manchester City? Um and when Harry Kane has stepped up to the plate in the big games where Lucas Moura has been dropped for Harry Kane, they do seem to, you're right, lose that little bit of pace. And Harry never really has done it in, in the games that matter. So, you, you know, you could argue that sometimes Tottenham look better without him in a ridiculous yeah. scenario. Yeah. I, I get it. I, get mm. it. I understand all that. Mm. But you've got, we've, got to, we've got to look at... The, old, the bigger picture of all that. I yeah, mean, yeah. One, one man doesn't make a team, but a team can make that one man. Yeah. And, and the, the Tottenham team's a good team, but it isn't a, it isn't a Manchester City mm. or a Liverpool or a, um, a Paris Saint-Germain or Barcelona or Real Madrid. Absolutely. So, I mean, how would he have gone? We don't know. It, it might all not go right for him at a Barcelona or Real Madrid or Manchester City. You just don't know. Yeah, do you? Absolutely, yeah. But um, he probably would have done it in the bigger games because he's, he's going to get even better quality uh, mm. players around him. And that is quicker thinking, uh, better quality of uh, movement of the ball and better quality of um, the pass uh, going really into the direction where he needs to be going. And he's going to get more and more chances in a Manchester City team yeah. than he is in a Tottenham team, even mm. though the will. He will get chances, you know, in Tottenham's team. And I'm not knocking Tottenham's team. You know, they're a very, very, very good team. But there's a good team. And then you've got the elite. And the elite is Barcelona's, your, your Paris Saint-Germain's now, your, your Real Madrid's, Manchester City's, your, your, your Man United's, because you know they're always going to keep buying it to, to get to, back to where they they, uh, they want to be or need to be. 
just for the fun, but fun yeah. sake. So yeah. it's interesting, but I get all that with Harry Kane. But um, we we have to look at the bigger picture with it, and uh, it's a good team, like I said, but it's not an elite team. Absolutely, and what we also have to say is when Harry Kane has stepped up to the plate in them big games, often he's been injured, and you are better playing a fitter player like Lucas Moura than playing a half-fit Harry Kane, and that yeah. tends to be what has happened to Harry. So where there is an argument that he hasn't stepped up to the plate in the big games, he has largely been injured as well. And, you know, yeah. he's 29, isn't he now? And, and his, his injuries haven't... Is he as old as that? I didn't yeah, think I believe he's 20... 27, 28, I think. He, he may actually be... 28 but but, up 20, but yeah but certainly within another 12 months he's going to be 29 going on 30 he, when he's had those slight knocks absolutely yeah being, when he's had those slight when he's had those yeah. knocks or slight knocks whatever you want to however you want to put at a Manchester City or a Barcelona or Real Madrid mm. uh, going for the major uh, trophies they may not have played him if he's yeah. got the you know what I mean yeah because they've got other quality players around him whereas exactly. Tottenham it seemed to need to play him, or he's bigger than the manager. Yeah. So he, he demands uh, that he plays. So, you know, it, there's always little things to it that the, the, the fans really don't know uh, about what goes off, really, at, at the club. But uh, uh, without question of doubt, he's a great player, a great goal scorer, and his record speaks for itself. Um, I think he did it with the elite with the elite club because of, because of the quality. When, you, when you've got that type of quality around you, you know, you can only be better and get better. Absolutely, too, sir. And I think that's a great, valid point that you make, that when a player is injured, when he plays for an elite team uh, like Manchester City or, or any of the elite teams, for that matter, you've got players of the same ability that you can put in. So there's no great need to rush them back. And when you're playing for a team like Tottenham, who aren't at that level, there's sometimes that necessity to push them in when they're not 100% fit. So, or he, yeah. or, he demand, or he demands to play because he's absolutely, a big, yeah. got a bigger profile than the manager. Absolutely, it's those two things. I'm not yeah. knocking Harry Kane. Everybody wants to play football. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't give a damn who it is. Everybody yeah. wants to play. Absolutely. We don't want to miss the game. Absolutely, TC. Uh, the Carabao Cup. Are you still amazed that there are so many wholesale changes? Bournemouth, I think, made. 9, 10 or even 11 changes last night against Norwich and got absolutely kiboshed. Should they should they be penalised for putting out such an understrength side? And it isn't just Bournemouth. And I'm not having a knock at Bournemouth. And I know Bournemouth are in the Championship. They're you looking to get into the... You're 100% right. Hmm? You're yeah. 100% right. I agree with everything what you've said. Hmm. I, mean, I mean, you've covered it right. You've covered it right. But hmm. what I will add to it... We know Bombers may not win it. We know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. But what will that give? What will that give Bournemouth? I'll tell you what it will give them. The further they go down the line, that gives them more money. Yeah. Right? Uh, you've got the TV rights that go with it. You've got the uh, winning the trophy. What go, or the further you get, the more money. That may give you that another player what could help Bournemouth get clinch promotion. Yeah. So what baffles me is, why, why, why do these teams, right, mm. play weakened teams when they haven't got um, the strength in depth to do that? Yeah. Now, I get, I get, uh, give kids a game. When I say give kids a game, I'm on about the upcoming Starlet. Starlet. Yeah. Now, 
again, it's opinions. It might be only that that man that manager's opinion that that he's the best young lad there. Another manager may come in, think somebody else in that team, uh, that club in the in the academy of under twenty threes, is, is the best player there. But making too many changes, like mm. your team did against um, uh, Portsmouth oh, yeah. in the in the Carabao Cup, whatever they call it now, mm. uh, last season, uh, becomes a downfall. And it's for me, it's, it's not giving that player. The young kid, great opportunities to play with top players and learn from those top players in games. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I agree with one hundred percent. You know, it's so boring uh, that these clubs do it, um, and I think to myself, no wonder why. I mean, if your team, if your team's not playing particularly well, like Sheffield United, and they make changes, right, or mm. West Brom, or whatever it is, and they make changes. Uh, and if 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 Derby don't make the two mistakes, Sheffield United lose again. Yeah, that becomes four matches, three matches, yeah. five matches they've lost. You yeah. know then the directors become frustrated, the fans become frustrated, the fans put pressure on the players and the directors. The directors then start putting pressure on the on the manager. The most important game or thing in football, the most thing you'll ever get in football is your next game. And I don't yep. give a damn whether it's Barcelona. Or Barrow. Mm. Right? Because to get beat 6-0 against Villa is not uh, it's not a shameful thing to do. But yeah. when you get beat 6-0 by a, a youth-looking team, then it become it can become an embarrassment or it could become a head dropper because uh, the manager then goes into the dressing room and what you won't see is uh, the rollickings they will get. Yeah. The pressure... They will put under. They will put certain players under, right? And you say, well, if you can't take a volleyball, uh, then get out of the kitchen. You know, it's like a chef. Mm. Too many chefs in the kitchen. Get out of the kitchen, right? For me, some players can handle pressure. Some players can handle volleyballs. Some can't. You know, uh, so I don't like to see it. I like to see people try and win a football match. Yep. But you know, when you get Bournemouth and, and these teams and, and, and the team and the teams lower at the lower level doing it, and then I find it really, really strange because I think to myself, you know, why would you want to sponsor a cup? Why would absolutely? Why surely they, they, they can get better uh, publicity yep. than the Carling Cup these sponsors? Yeah, you know, but it's I mean it's ruined. It's completely ruined our, our um, cup competitions. When you think about it, don't it? And again, as a professional football player, you know, you've got your league games and then you've got those cup games. Now, you know, if we're looking at it from a Premier League team's point of view here, that you've, unless you're the top probably two, three or even four, you've got little or no chance of winning the league. But you've got every chance of winning a cup. So you would think that you would put your strongest team in a cup game to win the cup to get further on in the cup and let's be truthful what was it you know 2011 2012 my team Birmingham City won the Carling Cup and if we can win it anyone can win it because we were really really average and it doesn't take a lot to win a cup probably six or seven games when you play above yourself you know but it's it? something for the player to look forward to in training and, and throughout the season as well so you see it keeps it alive doesn't it Regardless of what anybody tells me, 99.9% of players want to try and win a cup. I guarantee they do, yeah. They're as frustrated as yeah. the fans, the yeah. manager does, 
uh, does what they do do what they do. Mm-hmm. Now here's a, here's a good one for you. Newcastle. Yeah. Bruce yeah. is under pressure the moment he walked into Newcastle. Yeah. Because they won a big name. And I'm not saying that Bruce couldn't be successful. It all depends what players you're going to bring in. Mm. But they keep losing games and then we cup the cup competitions. When what last time Newcastle won a cup? 67? 51. Oh, sorry. No, they, 60, 69 they won the first cup, didn't they? First cup, yeah. Mm. Um, FA so, Cup was 51, I think. Why? Why would they not try and win a major trophy? Yeah, I just, I just beggars belief. Trophy, yeah, when he won trophy, may and could yeah. put you on to ne- the next level. Yeah, now Tottenham has won two league cups uh, in the last ten, fifteen years mm-hmm. and not gone on and built on it. Yeah, the cup close to going into the Champions League, uh, not coming into the Champions League. With a good run in the Champions League when Harry Redknapp was there, mm. they came close to winning the league under Pochettino. Yep. Uh, did they blow it? Uh, did ever? Uh, did ever? Did Leicester um, exceed? You know, uh, bit of both. The, uh, bit of both, wasn't it? Mm. You know, so uh, Leicester finished up winning it. Yeah. It wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been a big of a shock if Tottenham had won it. Yeah. But all the major teams that year, the other four great teams up that year. It had an off season, yeah, and you can get that. So, for me, why Newcastle wouldn't want to try and win a major trophy? It goes beyond disbelief, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I, I just can't believe it. And, and you're right when you was talking about the sponsors. I was looking at it and waiting for the games to come on last night, and I keep seeing EFL Cup, EFL Cup on Sky, EFL Cup, and I'm thinking, what's this EFL Cup? And then it's like the same night, EFL Trophy. Man City's under 21s, they were playing. Again, I forget who they were playing now, and it doesn't really matter. Scunthorpe. Was it Scunny? And, and and you're looking at TC, and you're thinking, well, well, I thought this was the Carabao Cup. Now, if I owned Carabao, I would be very, very annoyed that Sky are putting up on their screens EFL Cup. I want them to be putting up Carabao Cup. I'm weighing in a load of money to sponsor this cup, and I don't think I'm getting value for money with the yep. teams that's been selected and the way that Sky have been going about EFL Cup. It's the Carabao Cup. I'd be yep. pulling all my money out of it if I was them. To be fair. Yep. Well, I mean, surely they could they, they could get a, a, a Monday night or a. a, a... A Thursday night in that competition when the Carabao Cup's on, you know why have two clashes? Uh, yeah, absolutely. With two two competitions. Yeah. But even in that, even in that, there's a lot of clubs. They've got a chance of playing in Manchester City, mm. and because City are playing, uh, you know, a youthful-looking team, they go and do it. You know, you can visit this world. Yeah. It's a bit doesn't it? Yeah, it does. You just think. Look, at the end of the day, guys, it's a game of football and you're absolutely spot on too. So as a pro player, you want to play every game and win every game. So let's go back to the good old days when, and there's still a, there's still a rule in football that you must play your strongest team in every game that you play, cup or league. And if you don't, you get fined yeah. and you no, get booted out of cups. Mind you, I think half of them would like that. Yeah, well, they, they want to be booted out. They're not bothered about the fine, nine times out of ten. Mm. Look, I'm I'm for forward thinking, but at the same time, I do like to see certain things stay in our game. Yeah. Certain traditions, you know. Uh, and for me, 
I'm disappointed that, that our two major cup competitions have fallen by the wayside because Absolutely. the FA Cup itself alone, you know, the, the build-up that week for the cup final was, as a kid, and even players, because as a kid, I dreamt about playing in the FA Cup final. Yeah. I come very close to, to doing it. Yeah. I played in the semi-final when I got injured. Mm. But I was still involved in the build-up that, that week. Yeah. And how do you explain it? If if it ever happens to you, ever happens to you, the feeling itself, you're doing this. I mean, a lot of managers don't like you doing this, doing that, doing other, because you know there's photo photo shoots here, there's records here. You know, in our day, there's uh, news uh, paper articles uh, another day. So everything go goes on with it as players is exciting, yeah. and it's exciting for the fans because. You know, they're seeing uh, everything what's happening. It's their team what's in a cup final. It's their team, you know, uh, they've dreamt that their team or they have been in a cup final. So that's the that's the next best thing for fans. It's, you know, it's their cup final that they're playing in, even though it's the team. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah. They've the, the spoiled that. And, I mean, I'm a forward-thinking coach. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not coaching, but I am always looking for different ways, different ideas better ways to, to, to try and uh, unlock these doors because they are getting tighter and tighter with uh, the organisation that teams uh, put out there and make it more difficult for the for the big clubs to uh, to break them down, even with the star city players that they have. Mm. You know, it ain't easy when you get people parking the bus, uh, trying to uh, find ways through in and around uh, defensive formation. So... It's disappointing me that uh, we've gone down that route, but our two major cup competitions have um, fallen by the wayside. And then when you look at the uh, the international level, the, we, they've added an extra cup, a fair play, fair place cup, whatever they want to call it. Remember when England didn't get to the final? That did they? Yeah. Was it was it called that competition? What one? You've got a uh, Nations Cup in Nations international Cup. level, Nations and then they've they've, they've no, done this that, Conference that Cup, ain't they, at club level? The only way that'll be, be successful is when any team gets to the final. Mm. And when I say any team, you're gonna if you, you don't get your big clubs going to the finals, then that'll fall by the wayside. Yeah, you know, there's got to be better ways of uh, trying to get teams into uh, the Champions League. I know the Fair Play Cup, whatever you want to call it, um, Nations Cup, uh, is to do with uh, the authorities. But, I mean, once you've got the World Cup and the European Championships, you don't need another cup at that mm. level, do you? I don't think you do. I think they're they just trying to overkill it. They're almost trying to get every club side that's half decent in every league in Europe into a European competition. And I do think that within a generation or, or possibly two, you will have a European Super League. And, and you know, I, I think that the process has already started. They've just, it's a, I suppose it's like a little bit like a golf player who's hit the ball off the tee and they've really got in the rough or they've got into a really deep bunker. But they'll find their way out and, and money always talks. And I think that ultimately that's what they'll do. The, uh, the big clubs of Europe will try and earn more and more and more money. That's uh, that's the way yeah. that the game's going, sadly. Yeah. As we're going to leave the Carabao Cup now, I just want to just dwell on um, Cameron Archer. 
for, uh, for for a moment. That boy was on loan at Solil Moors last season. As a player, a young kid who's coming through the ranks at Villa, and I do think Villa are a fantastic example because they've been buying players not just at the top level, i.e. Danny Ings and, and one or two other players, but they've been buying the best of the young kids as well. So they've really been developing their football club and their team going forward. And on Twitter, it was great that Danny Ings had um, linked in young, uh, young archers, you know, well done, son, all the very best. And he said, yeah, you'll have to show me how to do that over at kick now. So when you look at him, he's only just come into the club. There seems to be a real good unity and camaraderie, and that ball that was put through for his third goal by that Badais, he's, he's got a double-barrelled name that I can't pronounce his first one, but I thought that was one of the balls of the weekend, that was just delightful. Listen, they have got some quality, quality uh, young players coming through. And they just... You know, uh, I told you Man United have got a lot of quality coming through young yeah. players, and they will burst onto the scene. Yeah. But... What did I tell you about uh, what, what's his name, Dean Smith? Do you know? Yeah, great no, manager. What did I say to you? Uh, yeah. They would stay up and they did stay up. Yeah. Uh, and he will be a bright uh, English manager. Mm. And he tries to play the right way. And he he will be able to handle the big name players. Yeah. He will be able to handle the big name players because that's his next step. It's not getting a big club. Right, because Villa's a big club. Absolutely, yeah. But it's handling the players what's going to play in the Champions League. Mm. Those type of players. Uh, I, I think in, he would develop he, that club into a Champions League club. I think Villa, I've said this for a long time, Villa are on the cusp. Great things. I do, yeah. I think they're on the cusp. I really think the good times around the corner for Aston Villa and largely it's down to great management. And it, it reminds me, talking to Woody so much, it reminds me, and Woody's a massive fan of Dean Smith, by the way, it reminds me so much of, um, of, of Tony Waddington type of manager. You know, he don't get up there, he ain't screaming and shouting, he, he encourages the players to just go out and play football. Some of the football that plays, terrific. Listen, the, 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 for me, where they're gonna where they're gonna fall short, and it's not Dean Smith's fault. This, mm. and it's Aston Villa's fault. When you look at Chelsea, Manchester yep. United, Manchester City, mm. Barcelona, and Real Madrid, and Paris Saint Germain, they haven't got twenty world class players. Mm. The 25, 26, 30 world class yeah. players. What could be playing at Tottenham and Aston Villa yeah. to help kick on to the next level? Yes, but Dean Smith plays some great football. Dean yeah. Smith is, is, is uh, spotted some uh, great acquisitions for Aston Villa. Mm. But for him to win the Champions League and the league title, he's got to have that strength in depth with that quality. Yeah. And it's not, he's got good players, mm. but. Your Manchester Cities, your Chelsea's, and your Liverpool. Well, not, not, I think Liverpool's not as, as as strong as what they are, but yes, the quality of what they've got yep. is, is, is they can't even challenge them for the for the league title yet because of that. That's the biggest problem. Getting those players what's willing to sit in the in on the bench or not even on the bench at Manchester City's and Chelsea's in this world. Yeah. That's where his problem's going to lie because mm. it isn't his football thinking, it isn't his football uh, philosophy, right? 
and he, in the world that he uh, that he doesn't try and win football games because he, he you see he tries to win a f- football game uh, that Aston Villa play yeah. and he tries to entertain and, and, and play football. Yeah. What's going to get people into Aston Villa? His slight problem he's got for me, and it's not his problem. Mm. It's strength in depth that these clubs have got. So Villa cannot have that type of quality in their team. Mm. Because they have, these clubs are paying vast amount of money for these players not to go for anybody to give them that challenge. Yeah. I mean, how would the Super League work, mm. right? With all this money, what went into it? How's the, how's the players going to get shot if they, if that ever took off? How would the how would these play the teams yep. share that money out? Because somebody's going to have to finish bottom of the league in that yeah. league. You're spot on, yeah. And yeah. You, you're getting teams here what win their leagues year in year out. But again, I think what they would do, they would go east and west. They'd have conference like they do in the MLS. And I think that they would, yes, OK, winning the league would be a major. Again, when you look at the American setup with the franchises, to win the league isn't the big thing. It's to win the MLS Cup, which used to be soccer bowl. So you'd win your league, but then the top sides would go into a playoff and then you'd play off to get to soccer bowl, which is now you know the why, MLS Cup. You know so it that, is different. I agree with that. Yeah, you know why that's you know why that's successful at that level, the, the, the American football, don't you? Go on. In England, you know, there may be four and a half hours trips you might give a, an eight hour trip mm. but them eight hour trips have done, they've done away with me now because i fly there yeah in america if you're flying out there in america the, 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 from one state to another state it, it's absolutely hours and hours and hours oh absolutely it's, it's it's like europe isn't it it's like you know britain being part so of they're europe not, they're not playing each other week in and week out yeah what they're doing they're coming together for a final yeah or the semi-final aren't they mm. and then the build-up it's something built up that it makes it more exciting that everybody wants a ticket, they want a piece of the action. And so everybody wants to see it on TV. Oh, it's absolutely so razzmatazz. Barcelona hmm. were winning their leagues and they weren't playing Man United in a, in a, in a, in a Champions League game. Yeah. But all of a sudden, at the end of the Champions League, there's a massive final between Manchester United and Barcelona or Chelsea and Real Madrid, that's going to create a more atmos- bigger atmosphere than the Champions League is. Absolutely. And I think going forward, that's... Because they're not playing each other yeah. on a medal basis. And what's think we want to see who is the best team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. With the MLS, I, I mistakenly said last week that, um, that Seattle are playing against Columbus Crew. And I thought it might have been a cup game or I didn't quite understand. I've done a little bit of research too. So there's 26 franchise clubs into Miami being the last one, the 26. So there's 13 in the Western Conference and 13 in the Eastern Conference. Now I have to do my never reach shredded wheat, whereas Seattle are on the West and Columbus are on the East. What happens? You play... 12 games, uh, well, 24 games, home and away, against your conference sides. And then you play an extra 10, five home, five and away, against a team from the other conference. So that makes 34 game season. Then they have the playoffs. Then they go to the MLS Cup. Now, the standings are 
you can go from 1 to 13 in your Western League, which Seattle are top of the Western League, and then you go 1 to 13 in the Eastern, where New England uh, Revolution are top. But what they do, they combine it for the Supporters' Shield. So whoever wins or gets the most points from both the Western and the Eastern Conference, they actually win the Supporters' Shield. So there's no actual title for winning your own Western or Eastern Conference. It's both put together, all 26 teams, and it comes down to those standings. So at the moment, New England are top in the uh, in, in the all-round standings. Seattle are second, Kansas third, Colorado fourth, and New York City a fifth. And that's how they work it. And uh, we had one of our, two of our granddaughters stay in the weekend. And I always drop off watching a game of football. Uh, Marla wanted to go home, so she woke us up at about 12 o'clock, which done me a favour because I went down and watched the uh, Seattle Sounders. They were 1-0 down at Columbus Crew and scored two late goals and took a 2-1 away win and rounded off a tremendous road trip by winning three games away from home. So, uh, well done to Seattle Sounders. And the other advantage to all these teams in America, this rugby, uh, this American football, yep. is come the, come the season, you know, uh, different teams have the best picks, don't they? Yeah, they do. It's cert- certainly they do in American football. Yeah. I'm not, not too sure if it's in soccer. No, no, I'm not on about in American football. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah, they do. It yeah. becomes global that now. Yeah, absolutely. It's global around the world. Yeah. So, so these teams get a fair chance of getting the top players. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas, whereas soccer or football, I was, where I was footballed, yeah. um, you, you know, it's just the elite clubs that's getting all the best players. Absolutely. They have so salary caps. It's going to be a disadvantage yeah. to, be, to be even a bigger club like, big clubs like Aston Villa because they, these are not small football clubs. Massive. Right? You can say that you can you can say they're not big football clubs mm-hmm. compared to, to uh, Chelsea winning major trophies. Yeah. But when it comes... When it comes to um, players, they don't have the, they don't have the players to be able to um, to be able to compete with the with the elite clubs, and that's the, that's the difference. Yeah, it's just getting through them hurdles, and I'm sure. In a period of time, I think Villa will, given the ownership, they've got great owners, got a load of money, and I think that Villa will join the uh, top table in English football's elite. We've got to go on to Book Corner in association with myfootballbooks.com, TC. We've already touched upon your book, flying off the shelves as we speak. Um, First pick this week... um, Wembley wins, Wembley woes by one of the great Sheffield Wednesday players of the past, Mr. Jim McCallyog. Yes, uh, that's a book I'm going to get. Yep, same here. He's my favourite Sheffield Wednesday player of all time. Yep. Um, it's something um, I want to get because, uh, like I say, uh, George Best has always been my favourite player, but uh, Jim McCallyog is my favourite Sheffield Wednesday player. And um, it's a book I'm going to get, and it, I, I think it's going to be a, a fascinating read because he's played with some absolutely gems of players, hasn't he? Oh, he has, and a, and a number of great football clubs that he's played for as well, Jim. I had the pleasure a couple of years ago of doing the My 70s with, with Jim, and I posted it up. Uh, it's on all our socials if you want to have a listen to it. Uh, lovely guy as well, Jim McCalliog. If you want to 
get links and how to purchase that book. I mean, Amazon seems to be a great way of purchasing books. I usually purchase books that way. However, like yourself, I think Jim's going to be selling it on his socials. So look up or Google Jim McCallyog. Have a look at his Facebook pages, all the information of how to purchase Jim's autobiography, Wembley Wins, Wembley Woes. And again, a book that I shall be endeavouring to buy. And then yeah. looking forward to it. Great read it'll be. Well, I, I, I am over the moon uh, with my book. And I mean, cannot believe how well it's gone yep. on my social media. Um I probably would have sold more in Amazon and I would have sold it for the Bunnewick Sheffield Wednesday and other football clubs. Yeah. But the response I'm getting, uh, we're now well into well into a profit. Good. Well into a profit. Because uh, the first first week of it went out absolutely unbelievable. Mm. Um, so we, uh, we turned all this money well into a profit and everything now uh, shows how long it takes me to sell them. Uh, and we'll have, we'll have another big burst at Christmas. And, you know, when, once they realise that they can't buy me now Amazon, the ones that do want it, we'll, we'll, we'll find some way to get hold of me. So they're not they're not ripping us off anymore. I said, you know, I got sick of when I was playing clubs ripping you off and, yeah. and, 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 and what have you. So I've gone down that route. I'm over the moon with it. You know, uh, we all, footballers always use that expression, but I could not have been any happier than what I am with a book. It's a, it's a good book. Uh, brilliant little things inside of it. Uh, I still may do I still may do another one and give the full truth of you know why 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 I moved and everything else. I've I've always said little things uh, to why I moved, but there were two major things. And I'm uh, you know if I do do the third book, I will put it all out and all that. But uh, no, Jim McCallion, um one of my idols, well, definitely my idol for Sheffield Wednesday, you know, always remind me uh, when he's there, Sarah White, George Best, played similar type of uh, way of playing football and still probably one of the greatest passes in a cup final uh, for Bobby Stokes to get that winner against Manchester United. Yeah. You know, an unbelievable ball, an unbelievable game for Little Southampton to beat the mighty Manchester United. So it's a book uh, I'd recommend for anyone who's listening to our uh, podcast to go and buy Jim McCallion's book. Absolutely. And while we're talking of uh, Southampton, happy birthday to uh, Glenn Cockrell. Yes, happy birthday. Again, great player. Underestimated player for me, Glenn Cockrell. Um, so what I, what I've, uh, I put a, I wished him happy birthday today. So all these ex-players and players, of, even today when... When we do know it's the birthdays, we always give them a shout. And books like you've fetched into this podcast now, and that's that's great, you know. And, and it's not just the Premier League. There's the old players, you know, uh, what we want to try and help out with these books and other things, what they do. And even modern-day players, because it, football is for the people. Absolutely. It, it should be the people's game. Absolutely, too. So, here, here. Uh, second book, uh, Young Millsy by a fella named John Brindley. Have you ever heard of John? Well, he's <laughs> a major author uh, in the third and fourth division. We can't get him into the Premier League yet, but he's trying. I'm going to be doing a podcast with John uh, next week to talk about his book, Young Millsy. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. <laughs> 
and the other book no, that he co he, he co wrote. Give me the ball with a Mr. Yeah. Terry Curran. <laughs> yes, great guy. He's, he is. He's yeah. I, I like John. He's a smashing guy. So you will not meet a nicer guy than him. We all meet great guys. Yeah. You know, I've met some great guys, but John's a diamond. He's a diamond. Absolutely. So look out for that book as well, Young Millsy. More information going forward. And all of these books are on our socials. And it is in association with myfootballbooks.com. And Andy's recommendation this week is The Hard Yards by Nigel Tassel. It's a season in the championship, football's toughest league by Nigel. An entertaining and eye-opening tour of the 2021 season. It captures the drama and the unpredictability of English football's second tier. So uh, a different kind of book, but one to uh, get your teeth into, TC. Yes. Yeah. Well, listen, you, you've, you've added all this now to, to our podcast. Yeah. All, such as all that will help not only us, it helps them, but it puts us on the map. You know, yeah. that people say, Well, how did you get, how did you know about? Well, it, it got mentioned on Gabby Cabby's and TC's podcast, yeah. and, and Gabby's, uh, Gabby Cabby's other podcast. So it's, it's great uh, publicity and advertisement for everybody, and it helps everybody. And we try and help everybody, and you know, no doubt we, people will start to help us soon. Well, that's what for me, social media is all about and there's just so many wonderful stories of former football players and anybody that we see that we can help that's what we do because that's what our podcasts are all about and I'm going to be in a couple of weeks time doing a making a podcast uh, with Andy from myfootballbooks.com and uh, getting to know Andy a little bit more getting to know how he got involved with the football books and his recommendations and he is part of our podcast now going forward Time vaulting conjunction with footballmastersmagazine.com, TC. We spoke briefly about him last week, and we're going to briefly speak about him now. Peter Marinello, born on the 20th of February, 1950, which makes him 71 years of age. Yes, I, I remember him bursting onto the scene. He was going to be the new George Best. He's had more clubs than you. He's had nine. And for some unknown reason, it never happened for him, did it? You know, I no. mean, he was a good player, but it just never seemed to happen for him. No, absolutely. He started off in 68 to 70 with Hibs, 45 games, five goals. Moved to Arsenal, 70 to 73. We covered that story last week when Chelsea played on his uh, hybrid debut and demolished him 3-0. 38 times he played for, for Arsenal, scoring three goals. And then you spot on, he went to Pompey, 73-75, played 95 games, Pompey scoring seven, and then went back up north, 75 to 78, to Motherwell, 89 games, 12 goals. Then moved to Australia for a bit, Canberra City on loan, 11 games, one goal. Moved back to Fulham in 78 to 80, 27 games, one goal. And then over to America, Phoenix Inferno, 25 games, 17 goals. I've got an idea. Well, I'm almost certain Phoenix Inferno were an indoor soccer team. Right. So that was indoor football that he was playing there. Hearts, back to Hearts, 81 to 83, 22-3. And finished his career, his club career, pretty much at Partick Thistle. 
uh, for a season there. Just played six games, but played on the 23s for Scotland twice and represented the League of Scotland in 1978 as well. That was Peter Manello, Fallen Idols, his book. I have got it ordered, so I'm going to be having a look at that, and we'll put that in Book Corner probably next week or the week after. I've got a great book from Australia that we're going to talk about that I've just connected with the author today, so we're going to be putting that in Book Corner next week, and then, of course, Andy's recommendation as well. Match of the day this week's got to be Liverpool versus Chelsea 5 yeah, 30 kickoff off I mean a proper match at day yeah two great teams in there Liverpool and Chelsea yeah that would be you know be a great game to watch that how do you fancy or how do you see that going? Oh, and by the way, 1928, on this day, it was the first day of the cup the cup opened they beat Berry 3-0 did Liverpool Berry, oh, beat Berry. What, they beat Berry 3 1928. Yeah, Liverpool won. Always a first division team, weren't they? I know. No, no. Welcome. But we think. Back into the uh, old first division. Yeah, we think we think that they are. But I mean, it, it won't really till Bill Shankly um, come to Liverpool and. You know, 1959-60. I think they announced it January 60, but he was already there around about the Christmas time, 59, to just engage with that new decade of the swinging 60s and transform Liverpool into pretty much what we know Liverpool as today, one of the greatest teams in, in world football. But they haven't always been. No, no. Uh, like I said, it was Shanks. Uh, yeah. Like Don Revy did, he left Manchester City. Absolutely. But um, at uh, at uh, Leeds United mm. and transformed them and made them one one of the greatest teams in country in and around that time when Shankly did it with uh, Liverpool. Absolutely, and Old Trafford in the early fifties, they never even had floodlights. They had to play European think, games think, at Main Road. I think there's only Arsenal, Everton. I'm trying to think who's never been out of the first division. Yeah, you're probably right. You know, I, mm. I can't think of anyone else. No, I think I think you're actually probably right. Only two teams that have never actually been relegated. I'll tell you one that's strange but true, and it's in four four two. I love this little feature in four four two. Manchester City became the only league champions to be relegated in the season nineteen thirty seven thirty eight, despite being top goal scorers that season, notching in eighty but conceding 77 goals and getting them half-backs and centre-halves and keepers took some stick. <laughs> well, it's funny because when I look at... When people say to me, proper defenders, in, no, they, they knew how to foul in those days. Defenders now yeah. are more protected because they get more people behind the ball. Mm. So the art, of this, the art of this game is having the technical players to be able to, you know, to be able to unlock these type of doors because these defending now is so difficult. You watch any game now, and it's so difficult to break these teams down. The yeah. Manchester Cities of this world, you know, even Chelsea, Chelsea did it in the uh, Champions League final when they they put everybody behind the ball yeah. and then stop space, and but they got quality when they counter attacked to be able to exploit Manchester City. That's mm. what lets them down, that they leave themselves too wide open by throwing too many people forward. Absolutely. You know, I think defending's better today than what it in my day, but in my day, you know, the, if they didn't get the ball, they would take the man. Yeah, absolutely. 
and it weren't just by kicking; it would be by putting, bringing, bringing like a rugby tackle to the ground and any, and everything. So that's the difference today in defending wise. Um, West Ham, how brilliant were West Ham? Well, one or two people have said to me, West Ham, absolutely brilliant. Since Moyes gone back there, he's had a phenomenal run. Yeah, yeah. Playing some good football. Yeah. He's changed his way of playing football. Yeah. But what I'm going to say, and you can only beat what's in front of you. So mm. I'm not trying to be con- uh, contradict uh, everybody else of what they're saying on West Ham mm. because I agree with them. The work, the work. Antonio looks a different place than when he was at Sheffield Wednesday. Off to a second goal. But he's, yeah. but he's playing. He's playing through the middle. Where yeah. he played out wide. Leicester had two centre backs missing. Yep. Well, and some of the goals were good goals, but they had a man sent off. The second one uh, to make it 2 0. The centre back has played across goal when the keeper's come out mm. to the edge of his box uh, to the, on the byline towards the corner flag, and he's played it in. That makes it 2 0. Mm. But West Ham still plays some good football. Oh, but I thought, you know, I thought, as well yeah. as I do, mm. Manchester City beat Liverpool 5 0 when Liverpool had a man sent off. Yeah. Liverpool played really well that day and got beat 5-0. Mm. You know, so uh, I think we have to look at it in the context, but West Ham have played some good football. I thought they, I thought they were superb, too, so I thought they closed them down. qualify for the Champions League uh, last season. Yeah, I thought they closed them down. I thought they'd done everything spot on. Yeah. I thought Leicester were awful. I thought them two centre-halves, all they wanted to do was pass the ball between each other. Neither of them wanted to take responsibility and attack the space. I, I, I hate that with the defender. If you've got space in front of you, attack the space, draw and push. I thought the midfield of Leicester was pathetic. Tillemans and Ndidi were never showing for the ball, not wanting it on the half turn, wanting to take responsibility. I thought West Ham done a job on them, and I thought they were absolutely tremendous. But the one thing that I've learned from that West Ham game is never fall to sleep when you're watching a game of football with Tom. Because I'm just dropping off, and all I hear is, You are us! <laughs> and I, I, I shot up. I shot I said... I'm going to wake up dead one of these nights watching a game of football with you. Honestly, it, it ain't conducive to good health. Well, I mean, when you when you when you think about the transformation uh, with West Ham uh, yeah. this last eighteen months, yeah. it, 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 it's phenomenal because you know, Gold and um, what's the other guy? Sullivan. Sullivan. Yeah. Um, were taking a lot of stick. The players were taking a lot of they stick. They still are, too, you say? The new, the new stadium was taking a lot of stick. Yeah. Yes, they are, but they can see now there's some improvement. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see now there is some improvement in 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 the in the uh, infrastructure of what they've what they've done. I mean, people have to give them some credit. You know, they're having to take on the mind of your Man United's Liverpool. Absolutely, Arsenal. yeah. Even Arsenal now are falling by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Because they're not going out and spending big money. No, I, th- I think West Ham have done David Gold and David Sullivan. And I know there's a lot of biased blue supporters because of what happened at Birmingham City. But Gold is an absolute died in the wall West Ham supporter. And they had the chance of the London Stadium. And, you know, all the stars aligned. It was the right time. And they, they went and they bought West Ham. And, and you're right, it didn't 
start well for them and then when they moved from the bowling there was a lot of aggravation I think to this day there's still fans that, that won't accept Golden Sullivan no matter what they do for West Ham but personally looking at it from an outsider's point of view I think they've done an absolutely Great brilliant job, job. Great job. Great, well done Mr Gold and Mr Sullivan and I've got an awful lot of time for those two guys I, I like both of them well they, they even sat wise yeah. And brought him back. Absolutely. You know, of course, the fans didn't want him back, if I'm honest. No, they didn't, no. It's not my cup of tea, but yeah. when I say it's not my cup of tea, I don't like the way we play football. I hate the long ball. I yeah. hate it. The mm. directness of it. Yeah. I, I can see what they're trying to get at. But when you're playing against the best players mm. and the, uh, the players what's got a football brain, they'll just drop off. Yeah. And make it more difficult, you know, because it's just like a win the second ball when mm. it's that. I mean, I hate that type of way of playing football. But let me tell you something. I hate more so sideways and backwards. Yep. I cannot watch that. I cannot watch that. For, I mean, what I will say about direct football, you know, you can get some, you know, uh, open at and ready type of football. Yep. And, and you get some exciting games in it. It's not my cup of tea because there's no thought to it. It's just... The bigger the boys, the bigger the stronger the boys, nine times out of ten will win. Yeah. The craftiness of, uh, of the Guardiola's and Klopp's of this world and the Klopp's and the Shankers have proved the point that they win major trophies by having quality, uh, quality, uh, quick thinking footballers. You know, but I hate that even more than I hate the directness that sideways and backwards. Absolutely. Teams so, don't, so. Teams don't play that. It's just boring to watch. And the de- you're never going to get anything. No. Only, only that people will press higher up, put you under pressure because they can see that you haven't got the quality player to play out from the back. Yeah, absolutely. No. Uh, the Arsenal team uh, and Albion have just taken the pitch. I don't recognise Albion, apart from they're playing in the same kit. But I think he's made 11 changes against Arsenal. Arteta's played a reasonably strong uh, side here tonight at the Hawthorns. And again, you look at it from the earlier conversations in the podcast. What's the point? You know, you, you just look at it. As an Albion fan, you're thinking, hang on, we got half a chance of beating Arsenal. They've had a really, really poor start. If we put our best 11 out here, we could get into the next round. But they've looked at it and thought, you know what, we ain't bothered. So they ain't bothered. I ain't going to be bothered to watch them. We're... Always, always down to play it. Because, you know, fans are on top of you. Great atmosphere when you get a full house. Yeah. But to West Brom. So it baffles me that but Arsenal, they can't afford to get beat by these because he will bring them a, a vast amount of pressure. So he's got to try and win this game. I think he will, given the lineup. He's playing a strong team. He's playing a reasonably strong team. Mustard started. Um oh my god, they've just kicked off and they forgot to take the knee. I just can't get all this this football's just driving me bad. Mad the politically correct idiots in this game that's running it. TC uh, Sam's started up that vacuum as we're speaking, it's been powered and fired up. So it only means well, one thing. It's football forecast, so we're gonna fly through this. I won it last week, uh, so it's 2-1 to uh, to Gabby. I've taken an early lead. I think Arsenal might take an early lead in this game tonight. Brighton versus Everton, one of your uh, former clubs away from home at Brighton. Brighton looked decent. What a beast. Yeah. yeah. Again, I tell you, what did I tell you about him? Uh, Brown, when, 
once they say that oh, Chris Hewton um, unfairly dismissed and all that and this type of football he keep them up he's kept them up and I tell you what they'll have a better season this year you're sounding a bit distant, TC, but Graham Potter, I think he's a great manager. I think he's doing a great job. I like watching Brighton play. Um, I think they could beat Everton 2-1, are you? Yeah, well, I'm going for a 1-1 draw. Yep. I think uh, Benitez always makes his teams hard to beat. Yep, he does. So, you're going 1-1, I'm going 2-1 to Brighton. Newcastle versus one of your former clubs, Saints. Um, I can see Saints getting something from this game. Uh, I'm going to go for a 2-1 Southampton. Yep, I've put 2-1 Southampton. Derby versus Far East. What a battle. The Battle of the West, uh, the East Midlands. How do you see it going? Well, I'll tell you this. Rooney's got them playing to set all the, all the uh, problems he's got at uh, Derby. I hate to say this because my heart's more with, with, with Forest than it is with Derby. Yeah. But I, can, I, I, can't see, I cannot see Forest winning a match yet. No, but I can't see him scoring a goal. You know, so I'm going to go for a 1-0 Derby. Yeah, I've put 2-0 Derby. I think it could be uh, Chris Hewton's last stand. Huddersfield uh, versus Reading. How do you see that one going? 1-0 Huddersfield. Huddersfield 1-0. I'm going to go 1-1. And finally, Morecambe versus your boys, Sheffield Wednesday, who I do think are going to run away with the uh, League One title this year. Well, I felt for Sheffield Wednesday because I thought, you know, we're playing, playing, playing wages. I thought they might get some more uh, points deduct, but he's turned these down. Uh, it's important that you get a good start to the season. He's got a great start to the season. I'm going for a 3-0 Sheffield Wednesday. Yep, I've absolutely put the same thing as you. 3-0 to Sheffield Wednesday. So, TC, can I thank you for your time? Love to you and yours. Thanks for all listening, and we will see you next week. Yes, thanks, everybody. Hope Burma can get a great result. I know Sheffield Wednesday will get a great result this, uh, this, this third week. Uh, all your teams, all you fans out there won't listen to us. I hope you think your teams have a great result this weekend. Make you happy, ready to listen to us again next week. So thanks, everyone, and have a good weekend, Gabby, and your family. Cheers, my cats and Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank <laughs> you.